as we talk about connecting, what we find is that we can talk more about connecting than actually connecting. Right? That's the challenge. It's hard to connect. It's, it's, there's work and connect. There's this, this detachment from all of this noise, all of this busyness, all of this hurry in the world that makes connection really hard. That's why we're not very good at it. I have a friend that says that, and I think he might be quoting somebody else, so if anybody knows, I'm not trying to rob it from anybody, but um, that love is incompatible with hurry. Love is incompatible with hurry. I mean, that solves road rage, right? <laughs> we got it. That's, that's the problem. Um, but as we talk about connection, Nathan has done an awesome job of walking us through this kingdom strategy, this connecting with Jesus, connecting with people, and connecting people to Jesus. And so the question before us is, what would it look like in my life if connection became my top priority? And that sounds like kind of a simplistic question, but the truth is, is the thing we're going after in this life connection? I know for me, what it can be way more so, whether it's conscious or unconscious, is getting there, whatever there is. Um, at different times, it's been having it all together, um, getting to a certain place. When I have this job, when I have this relationship, when I get this paycheck, when I get here, right? which always pulls us out of the moment. But what if, what if our, our top priority, and you can make a strong argument that you can really only have one priority, was to connect? In each moment of every day was to be connected. How would life look different? The truth is we all have this journey of connection. You can't just like somebody on Facebook. You can't just friend somebody on Facebook, connect with somebody on LinkedIn, and actually have that be a connection. That's not the type of connection we're talking about, right? It takes time, and there's a journey, and there's a process. Very often, there's a putting down of the old and a picking up of the new. I know that's been my journey, and I think, I think the first thing that God wants us to hear, and the first thing God really shared with me in this connection to Him, was that He wants to connect to you personally. Today, God wants to connect to you personally. Today. I grew up knowing about God. I went to Catholic school. My parents took me to church. Um, and, and I knew a lot about God. But I didn't know God. There really wasn't that connection there. And what that led to was a very performance-based worth. Right? And performance-based worth almost always leads to guilt and to shame. Because without him, we can't live up to it. Without that connection, we can't live up to it. We've already, uh, in Nathan, in his first sermon, uh, when he's talking about the vine, Jesus says, apart from him, we can do nothing. That's a crazy way to live for us Christians. <laughs> apart from him, we can do nothing. The gift in my life uh, 
was when God brought me down through my own definition of success of doing oil and gas and wanting to do my own stuff to a small town in Southern Colorado. And that's where three men really took me under their wing and mentored me and taught me about this truth that God wants to connect to me. That was new to me. And I'm sure it was said, don't get me wrong, but it was, a new, it was just new to me. That God wants to connect to me personally, person to person, today. Not when I get someplace. One of the greatest gifts I was given was in a statement uh, of an 82-year-old preacher uh, that I met down there. He was one of my mentors, Ed Richardson, and has been so awesome in my life. I got to spend a little bit of time with him earlier this week. And what he told me that really changed my mindset around this, he said, Eric, you can only give as much as you know of yourself to, as much as you know of yourself to as much as you know of God at any one point. You can only give as much as you know of yourself to as much as you know of God at any one point. That was freeing to me. And isn't that the truth of relationship? Whether it's in a dating relationship or uh, a marriage relationship, a friendship. There's this idea of you can only give as much as you know of yourself to as much as you know of the other person. And God invites us into that place. Uh, I love Brendan Manning's quote. Uh, Brendan Manning is the author of Ragamuffin Gospel, Abba's Child. He said, God loves us just as we are and not as we should be because none of us are as we should be. And it doesn't matter where we are in this journey of connection. That's true of all of us. Whether we're at this first step in the road, whether there's that pitter-patter in your heart of Jesus and the Holy Spirit knocking on your door this morning, or whether you've been walking with Jesus and the Holy Spirit for the last 50 years, the truth is God loves you just as you, sh- as you are and not as you should be because none of us are as we should be. One day that will come. Second step in this journey for me was the idea that God desires wholehearted and healthy connection. Right? He won't be satisfied with the partial connection. And what this meant for me was I had things in my life that were no longer reconcilable with the truth, the promises, the character of God. Right? You can't do that and be a whole person in the morning if you're not doing that in the afternoon and the evening and the night. And the good news is that's not, that's not on me. That's not on you. It's just in connection. And he kindly exposes different things to us at different times that say, hey, Eric, that's something that's really kind of blocking our connection, slowing it down right now. It's a, that's less than what I have for you. And so just like clay on the potter's wheel and the impurities surface, I'm not a potter, so hopefully nobody's too much into pottery. They call me out on this. But I think what that does is the impurities come to the surface And as they do, we kind of have a choice. We have this choice to either kind of stick it back in because it can be kind of uncomfortable and kind of unpleasant to see those things that don't align with the goodness of God. It can be embarrassing. It can be scary when we see some of those things. 
But the alternative is to say, God, I don't know how, but help me pick this out. Help me pick this thing out because I desire wholehearted relationship with you. And this puts into context something that's kind of a difficult character sometimes to understand of God, but that God is a jealous God. God won't stand for anything less than that. He loves us way too much than to have an unhealthy or a half-hearted connection with us. And so maybe it was something in that time earlier that he was bringing up, like, there's this thing. Matt Chandler, uh, pastor of the Village Church, puts it this way. What are those things that stir your affection for Jesus? And what are those things that rob you of your affection for Jesus? He likes to say, it's amazing how a ni- whether a 19-year-old catches a little ball inbounds or out of bounds can rob me of my affection for Jesus. Right? I think for some of us, for me, it can be like, it's amazing how much somebody cutting me off in traffic can rob me of my affection for Jesus. It's amazing how much looking at my phone first thing in the morning and checking the news can rob me of my affection for Jesus. And remembering the first part of God wants to connect to you. So this isn't a judgment on you. It's an invitation to say, Eric, this thing's getting in the way and there's, there's more. There's more I have for us. So what's that thing for you? What's that thing that he's pointing out? To either do more, those things that stir your affection for him, those places that you find that deep connection, whether it's that silence and solitude, whether it's getting out in nature, whether it's listening to, to music, uh, getting in relationship, talking about him with other people, Whatever that thing is for you, amplify that and reduce those things that rob us. It's inherently going to increase our connection. Because the beautiful thing about God is that everything we give God, he cleans. And everything God cleans, he uses. Two awesome examples of this. First one is in Nehemiah, right, where... They don't use new materials to rebuild the walls. They actually use those old, broken-down wall materials to rebuild those walls. And God wants to do that same thing with us. It's amazing, in my own life, how God has used those things that used to bring that great guilt and that great shame to relate to people on a level that allows them to engage those things and no longer hide it in the dark. And so God's not asking us to tuck those things under the rug. He's asking us to give those things to him. I love how God's natural order plays out in nature as well, too. I'm not a survivalist, but sometimes I watch, you know, Bear Gryllis. And when Bear Gryllis comes across that shallow pool of water that's been exposed to the UV rays, it becomes drinkable. Things that are brought out into the light are cleaned. Well, the one next to it that hasn't been brought out into the light, still in the shadows, is non-potable. It still has all that bacteria and is going to make you sick. But what a beautiful characterization of the character of God and his natural order, that we can boldly bring him these things. We're not going to surprise him. (laughs) He's not surprised. 
And he waits for us. He waits for us to surrender and to bring him those things. And he's faithful to clean them, and he's faithful to use them. I know in my own life, that was, uh, I've shared a lot of my story up here, but it was uh, listening to a message, again, down in that small town about uh, the parable of the sower. And God penetrated my heart with this condition of my soil, the condition of my, my garden. It, it wasn't good. It was so bad that I knew I couldn't do it on my own. And so I prayed what I call the rototiller prayer. I prayed for God to rototill me. Um, and that was hard. That was hard after that. Uh, that landed me on my parents' couch for a year um, because he was, again, eradicating those things that were no longer reconcilable in my life. And that's what God does at different parts of this journey. He'll say, I know, I know that's been like, that's been kind of a crutch. That's been kind of a friend that can even be a quote unquote good thing, but it's not necessarily a God thing, right? One of my favorite stories is, uh, is our youngest son, Tyler, last year was, he was at that point where he was just getting used to uh, acknowledging words. He would, he would just be, begin to notice words. And so Melissa was reading to him, and he noticed this word. It was, it was good. And he said, look, Mommy, that's almost God. That's good. <laughs> That'll preach. That's a four-year-old preaching, right? And sometimes, you know, in this journey, it's no longer just the bad things that he's getting out. It's the things that aren't him. And that's, that can be a hard thing, especially because we can get comfortable in good things. We can get, feel really good about ourselves, but connection isn't about that. Right? Connection to him changes everything. Because a life lived, connected to God, ushers in the kingdom of God. First in our hearts, and then it abounds. Right? Jesus was our great model for this. Jesus, Son of God, came down. And if anybody, if anybody could have known what the right thing was to do at any given moment, it was Jesus. And yet, what does Scripture say? Scripture says that Jesus only did what he saw the Father doing. He only said what he heard the Father saying. That's connection. That's living in total surrender. That's where there isn't necessarily a right answer or a good answer. There's a God answer. What an incredible model of what it means to live the connected life. So what's our part? What's our part in this connection? I think our part is to come into agreement. Right? To believe what he's telling us, to live into, as if it were true, what he's saying to us. This is that life of faith. That no matter what I'm seeing, feeling, experiencing in the moment, I will stand on the truth and the promises of God. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what's going on here, right? Because God said this, and I know his word is true. And so I'm going to stand on that truth for myself for my marriage, for my family, for my church, for my work, for my city, for my country, for my government. That's a life of faith. And what, it's, what he says is that 
without faith, it is impossible to please God. Faith is the belief in things not seen. It's not a worldly wisdom that we're called to. It's a life of faith that ushers in this kingdom of God. And so where are the challenges to come into agreement with that? Sometimes it's in Scripture. Sometimes it's these passages, whether it's the Old Testament passages where God tells uh, people to go in and wipe out entire peoples, men, women, children, animals. What is that? Maybe it's the, just like the, a lot of the disciples and the people that were following Jesus at the time had a problem, had a hard time understanding about eating his flesh and drinking his blood. God, what's that all about? And it's only going to be in connection that he reveals that to us. He wants to. Just like a good dad. When my boys don't understand something, I love it. I love it. It is not always the MO at our home, but I love it when they do come up and they're like, Dad, what is this? What is this all about? That's the smallest glimpse of what the Father invites us to. Loves to tell us. We'll spend an eternity getting to know about him and his character. And it's only in this life of faith and then obedience Right? That we stand out as a church. That we stand out as a body. We stand out as a light for him. Because we're not responding as the world responds anymore. Because we're standing on a different set of truths, a different set of promises, a different word than the world is, is living by. And so it's not that we won't in, uh, encounter struggle and strife, and tribulation, and death, and sickness. But we're of another kingdom. In connection, we know how to respond differently. May we be a people that only do what we see our Father doing, and only say what we hear Him saying. Whatever the cost, whatever the risk to us. Because that's what Jesus did. And I think lastly, there's always more. (laughs) No matter where we are in this journey, which I kind of alluded to earlier, whether you're just Holy Spirit's knocking on the door of your heart this morning, uh, whether you're at that point where uh, he's inviting you personally today to deeper relationship, whether he's inviting you to this place of like, hey, let's, let's start to ramp this up and ramp this down whether he's inviting you into this faith. Hey, let's live a different way because let's live by this truth. Live by this word that I have over your life and over your family, over your boys or your girls. There's still more. That's the beautiful thing about God. We will, again, we'll spend a lifetime uh, exploring this with him. And so when we get that vertical connection right is what allows for this connection, right? When Jesus prays, God, may they be one as we are one, right? That's us being one with the Father, which creates this opportunity for oneness with each other. And that's the beauty of it because the context of our identity is found in the body. And in this impossible setup, that only God can bring, 
God, God says Jesus is the head and we are the body. The clear implication being God is inviting us to co-labor with him to do his work here. That's crazy. That's amazing. God could certainly do it on his own, but that's not his plan. His plan is to create individuals to form us unique parts and bring us together in the body. What brings us into the body is belief in him that we might do his work here on this earth. How powerful is that? So as we look at, number one, who am I? Who did he make me to be? What's unique about me? My unique talents, my unique heart. Right? It makes sense in the body that the kneecap is going to value and look differently than the ear. And then as we join together, we don't, the ear doesn't look at the kneecap and be like, you don't make any sense. <laughs> I'm going to go form my own church. <laughs> it's going to be the ear church. Right? And there's the ear, right? That's, I mean, it's, Sounds funny, but that is a good part of our church. And there's the ear on the ground, disconnected from the body. And so as we, as we take communion today, what I want you to consider is what is my part in the body? God's plan is for you to co-labor with him in bringing heaven to earth. Glimpses of heaven, connecting people to Jesus. What is his invitation to you in that today? And so wherever you stand, wherever you are, what's that next step that he's calling you to? Because Jesus leaves us with this. He says, remember me. Remember me. The Hebrew word for remember is zakar, which is not only to recollect, to, re- to remember, to recollect the event or what happened, but it actually moves you into action. It's a recollection that moves you into action. And so remembering what Jesus did, right? God wants to connect to us. How much he died for it. He died for it. He died for you. And so as we remember that, What's the action that that then drives us to? It's not a simple recollection. It's a, it's a movement to action. And that action starts with connection. And so what a beautiful picture communion is. Because what's the, what does the body have in common? The blood. Right? When, the belf, when the body's healthily connected, the blood flows and brings all the nutrients to the body that we need. It refreshes us. It refuels us. It gives us energy to do exactly what he made us to do. And as you eat the bread, remember that I am not in isolation. God didn't call me into isolation. He called me into this vertical relationship that I might relate to others to do his work on this earth. And so uh, we're going to play a couple songs. 
And I would invite you to continue that conversation we started this morning and maybe some things that surfaced as, as we talked. Um, but we're all going to come up. We're going to uh, take it up at the table, so we're not going to bring it back. So go ahead and take the communion at the table. Um, and then as you go back, whatever it is for you, what is your, what is, whether it's gratefulness, whether it's surrender, whether it's worship, Experience the freedom of connection in that. Maybe the freedom of connection says stand. Maybe the connection says kneel, sit, write, be still. But have total freedom in that. Experience the freedom of connection this morning as we take communion and remember the sacrifice, the goodness, the plan of God. If you're unable to uh, come forward physically, please reach out to somebody around you and have them bring communion back to you. Um, or you can get somebody's attention. We'll do that for you. Uh, and then if we can have, uh, you know, maybe Jason, you on this side and, and Scott on this side and Melissa and, and if you call, feel called to pray for people, but let's, let's have people up front praying for people. And maybe you're at this point where you're like, you just, you just need prayer. Let's be the body. Let's be the body and, and let's pray for each other, right? That we may be healed. So Father, we thank you for this morning. We invite you. We welcome you into our hearts to search us, to know us, to tell us who you are, to tell us who we are, God. That that inside out kingdom living where we do what we see you doing and we, hear what we, or we say what we hear you saying is our reality. God, and we move forward together, unified as a body in this. All for your glory, God. May it all point to you. In Jesus' name, you can come forward for communion.